You don't know who my daughter is, do you? Patricia's not to be trusted. I beg your pardon? I can have her locked up anytime I want to. They said she was an accessory after the fact. I know the truth. It was cold-blooded murder. Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Review, the show where every week we pick something that we're feeling nostalgic for, we then revisit and review it to find out if our hindsight is truly 2020 or if we've just been wearing rose tinted glasses. I'm your host, Michael Jerbez, and I am joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Connor O'Keen. How's it going, Connor? Good. My body is a roadmap of pain. <laughs> you rip your shirt open and you've got all these rose tinted review scars carved into it. <laughs> no, that'd make me my uh, my body was is a roadmap of pretentiousness. <laughs> oh man, we got a spooky one this week for a little Halloween themed one. Yeah. We are hitting up the 1996 uh, kind of c- horror comedy, The Frighteners. Yeah, I would say horror comedy in the same way that the original Gremlins is a horror comedy. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? I think this one sits, it kind of sits in between the Gremlins and the Ghostbusters mm, in terms yeah. of like comedy supernatural shit. Yep. For uh, sure. Anyway, getting ahead of ourselves. Of course, the film is uh, written by Fran Welsh and Peter Jackson and directed by Peter Jackson. And the film stars Michael J. Fox, Trini Alvarado, Jake Boosie, Dee Wallace, and Jeffrey Combs. Mmm, yes. <laughs> After a tragic car accident that kills his wife, Frank discovers that he can communicate the dead. Uh, to con people. However, when a demonic spirit appears, he may be the only one that can stop it from killing the living and the dead. Yeah, it, it's dude. kind of a fun. That synopsis is a little. It sounds a little bit more mundane than what this movie is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it kind of. Um, it sounds uh, kind of by the numbers, but I feel like this movie has a is a lot more quirky than that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and it kind of it doesn't um, exactly communicate just how. Uh, doesn't communicate just how many little threads there are to this narrative that, mm. that kind of end up linking up and the way it, it plays out in such a kind of continuously satisfying and, and um, uh, intriguing way. Yeah, yeah. Intriguing intriguing is the word. There's some elements in there that really, uh, like, tickle my fancy when yeah. when they, like, peppering little clues of supernatural stuff. I'm like, oh, man, that's that stuff that yeah. I get, get giddy with it. Yeah, totally. But... Uh, when I first watched this movie, I wasn't very giddy because uh, I was uh, quite young. Let mm-hmm. me see, because 1996, I probably saw it like on TV starting the beginning of it when I was mm. like 10 or under. Uh-huh. And that thing creeping around through the walls scared the bejesus out of me. I was like, that's too creepy. <laughs> and I didn't watch it. And it wasn't until uh, like later when I was like maybe 14 or 15 that I finally mm. saw it. And I was like, what was I afraid about? This is... A comedy. It's it's like a dark comedy in, yeah, in, in yeah. its horror elements. Yeah, and I fucking love Michael J. Fox. Back to the Future was one that I grew up rewatching a bazillion times. So I have a very very uh, soft spot for Michael J. Fox, as I think most people do. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, he's hard to hate. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody. Yeah, he just has something a, a likable quality about him, which is uh, yeah, which I think works well. Him being this con man. That you yeah. don't see him and just think like, oh, this guy's a, this guy's an asshole, 
and write yeah. him off. There is this yeah. like redeemable something uh, to his spirit yeah. that you go like, oh, yeah, I can't you go, help but love the guy. <laughs> you go, there must be something good about this guy. They got Michael J. Fox to play him. Ah, oh, Frank, I can't stay mad at you. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, played by Michael J. Fox. Um, uh, so how did you how did you feel about it this time? Uh yeah, I really, I, I still found it very, very entertaining. Mm-hmm. I went back to it maybe ten years ago, so yep. I've only seen it like twice or so. Mm. And so it was, it was fun because I didn't remember a lot of the like the littler plot points to it. I remember mm. the premise, like when I rewatched it ten years ago, I was like, "This is such a fucking fun uh, like idea that it's not just like, a, oh, this man he can see spirits, and so when there's a weird ghost killer." He's the only one that can do something. It's like, no, when he when he has that ability to see ghosts, what does he do? He gets in cahoots with a couple of ghosts so that they yeah. can like poltergeist people's houses so he can come in and do like fake exorcisms and be like, there you go. Now give me money, 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 money. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, totally, that's yeah. a fucking, that's a wonderfully fun uh, premise to begin with. And like you said before, it, it allows... Uh, so many of the different elements and characters and plot threads to like intertwine really neatly and and satisfyingly. Yeah, totally. Similarly to you, I first saw this movie on TV as a kid, probably maybe 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And I I came in at the point where the guy in the bathroom dies uh, and gets like, or or when he's in the bathroom and and the Grim Reaper thing like comes out of the mirror. Fuck yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I think my mum had just like was, you know, channel surfing or whatever and had landed on it and she was, she, she'll watch anything. So she was just like, I'll watch this, you know. Uh, and then that, ha- and I was just in the room and that watched happened. watched the Grim I was Reaper like, rip the soul out of a man's me? heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was one of those things I might not have been paying attention or maybe I was just passing through the living room or whatever, but, you know, saw that and, and just like sat down and <laughs> we watched the rest of this movie together and- even with kind of lacking the the context of the first you know half an hour of the film or so, it, it was just so so entertained by it and mm. really thrilled by it, scared by it, but but in the best possible way. The same way that uh you know Gremlins did the first time I saw it, and um, Shaun of the Dead did the first time I saw it. it was this like like oh my god, you know uh, the the best kind of uh introductory kind of horror flicks, and uh, yeah, I had a blast with it. I I think I I think I ended up tracking it down a few years later because the video store that I went to that I frequented at that point didn't have it. But a few years after that, I found it at the video store that I ended up working at down the line and I, I watched it then and had a great time with it. And I think I only revisited it one more time, maybe six or seven years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and really enjoyed it then too. It's not one that I come back to that often and I think there are reasons for that and we'll get into it, but there is certainly... A heap on offer on this in, in this film. Like, yeah. there's so much to sink your teeth into, especially if you've got a bit of a boner for like 80s horror. There's yeah, all this yeah. kind of 80s horror stuff in there without it being overt or feeling like, oh, they're doing a, an 80s horror shtick. Like, yeah. it is still a a really, uh, it still has a real identity of its own. Yeah, that was, um, uh, which is quite the feat. Yeah, I think so. That was something I only noticed this time around. Um, that you know, the little nods to The Shining or. It's just mm. very little things that they don't draw attention to themselves. Uh, it's the nicest kind of uh, way. What was that movie we were doing the other week? Yeah, it's got that same kind of quality like you were talking about with Shutter Island where uh, like Scorsese has kind of done a lot of homages to things. Or there's a lot of inspiration through that. But if it's one of those things where it's subtle enough that if you don't recognize it, it's not this weird like taking you out of the movie pop culture reference. Yeah, you don't go, go, am I missing something? Yeah, yeah. What are they referencing? I don't get it. 
it doesn't come at the cost of the film's own identity, mm, which is mm. again, which is a feat. Yeah, yeah, like the house. What do you call it? It's very like psycho vibes, which is really cool as well. Yeah, absolutely. I or mean, the sort fact of, that um, it's, it's a little bit of a red herring with the psycho vibes. Yeah, you sort of yeah, as, totally expect it to be one way, mm. and they can kind of subvert that with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I will say on on this particular viewing of this film, this film might be so entertaining that it has healing powers because <laughs> I watched this movie at the end of a ridiculously long day helping a friend move house. Uh, we'd been in the sun a lot. I neglected to put on any sunscreen, <laughs> uh, didn't drink any fucking water and was very, very overtired, like had underslept. And so when I was about to start this film, I thought I was going to barf. Like I felt like <laughs> hell. Um, but I was like, all right, I'll just sip some water. And hey, maybe the maybe the rehydration had something to do with it. But the first half an hour of this movie was just making me like I was being so like gleefully absorbed in this movie and its world and its little idiosyncrasies that I forgot I felt sick. And by the <laughs> end of the movie, like about half an hour into the movie, I was like, oh, I feel significantly better. And this is fucking great. This is so much fun. And by the end of the movie, I was like. I'm cured. Thanks, Peter Jackson. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Very, very enjoyable uh, viewing experience this time. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I said last week that it was a little bit more of a family-friendly horror. Surprised to see when I was, like, looking into a little bit of the the backstory, they were, like, maybe expecting a PG-13 rating, but they mm. ended up getting it to be R... Oh, not, not R-18, sorry, because that's Australian... Uh, whatever American R rating was. So they're able to like be a little bit more gruesome in in the kills. But from my understanding of early Peter Jackson, this is the earliest Peter Jackson film I've ever seen. So I understand oh. that this is family friendly by comparison. <laughs> yes. Yeah, on, when you consider his yeah. his last foray into horror before this is uh, Brain Dead or, or Dead Alive, depending on where you watch it. And that is just gratuitous. Wonderful. So much fun. Uh, uh, amazing fun but like so violent so gory mm, and it's so uh, i guess it's like something like this was uh, it's kind of that thing of how how um gore ages in films mm. i remember the original alien was like rated r uh, i think even in australia it was originally rated r but now when you get it on dvd it's like m rated it's not even ma it's M. no shit yeah wow Oh, that's crazy. Um, I believe. Oh, it might still be MA. Predator was a similar thing. Um, yeah. I remember renting that on VHS uh, when I was about uh, 13 or 14 because um, a kid at school was like, you got to watch Predator. And, I, and I, I asked my dad, I was like, can I can I rent this? It's, it's R-rated. And he'd seen it. So he knew that, you know, it's, uh, it's fantastical. It's not going to warp the kid. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, sure. But I was so like, oh, my God, I'm watching an R-rated movie I know, there was that. Um, <laughs> and it became this thing. You almost started, like, keeping count of how yes, many R-rated I movies you'd seen. I absolutely did that, yeah. I felt, like, so, <laughs> so special. And you're like, oh, oh, I'm a little kid and this movie's MA or this movie's R. Like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was, yeah, such a cool thing. Um, and then, yeah, it feels like this is something, like, if it came out today, the level of violence in this probably would only give it, like, a PG th- 13 or something yeah or like the m rated equivalent the m rated equivalent in australia yeah yeah because it's like there is plenty of kind of gore but now in the context of like their ghosts getting cut in half and things like that yeah there's less real gratuitous gore to the like actual human alive people or yeah yeah. i mean next to next to none really yeah yeah it's it's kind of like uh, it feels very much like a, a successor to Brain Dead or Dead Alive, which feels like a successor to Bad Taste. You watch Bad Taste and it's like this 
low budget, no budget, just them shooting, making disgusting horror shit, you know, on on their property. Uh, and then you watch Brain Dead or Dead Alive, and and you go, oh, okay, so this is like that done like refined or you know amped up to some degree but like they've got a budget there's a bit more there's uh far more coherent of a story and then this is like oh okay this is like him doing Holly- hollywood big hollywood's brain yeah. dead mm. where mm. you know the gore and viscera and stuff is kind of reined in to make it a bit more you know broadly appealing it's got Michael J. Fox in the lead role. Like this is uh, so, to, like said, this is an audience pleaser. Yeah, this is a crowd pleaser. Um, but yeah. still, but still, it's Peter Jackson doing a crowd pleaser. You know, yeah, yeah. It has that that quirky something fun to it that doesn't just feel by the numbers. Oh, uh, like immediately, I think- it, it's so fun and campy, and it's so it has such a distinct creative vision. It has such a distinct uh, directorial bent. Like when you've got the the camera like starting on the house and then going through the window and it's got that beautiful the wide angle lens uh, stuff. It's it's so it's so Evil Dead, mm. but like it's it's Peter Jackson's spin on it. You know, yeah. Um, that whole opening sequence is fucking wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's uh, I think it's a bit of a testament because I think when I at least when I think anything like ghost related in a movie, Ghostbusters is the like gold standard or the like the cornerstone of Mm. that stuff so to make something that actually feels distinct enough to not mm. just feel like a, a copycat or a ripoff or you know yeah chasing yeah. the coattails or whatever of ghostbusters is is a is a feat in itself yeah well i think I, f- I feel like a lot of that comes from uh especially in this the fact that it still has the the hallmarks of uh early peter jackson horror schlock um you know what do you, what do you call it uh uh splat stick kind mm. of his his brand of that where it's all shot in New Zealand so it has that that look and feel it's got this kind of quaint quirky quality to it and the the whole thing with like the grandma with the shotgun like yeah. it's taking that it's taking that Bruce Campbell you know groovy that thing but placing it in New Zealand and being like what if it was your nan doing that like it's <laughs> that's that's the bit but he he that's his bit you know yeah uh it's fucking wonderful uh, speaking of wonderful, something that also jumps out to me that's really fun and quirky is the um, the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. What in the hell is going on out here? <gasps> Get back in your grave! Ah, oh, son of a... Holy Jesus! Frank Bannister! Go ahead, I'll handle this. Is that actually the same... That's the same bloke. No yeah. fucking way. That's so funny. But well, doing dude, like it's... a comedy version of his full metal jacket impersonation because he's yeah. changing outfit like between that's, all these yeah, different Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. He's, I he's had in no singlet, idea. And then he's in his uniform and then he's in his like camo gear with his yeah. two M60s. And <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. That's so funny. I thought they just got a really good lookalike. But it's that sort of stuff is um it's in like the kind i mean that's a cameo that's a small very small role in the cast but it's in the the other kind of secondary characters as well like uh, patricia is played by d wallace stone who was in the howling and the hills have eyes and critters she was she was one of the scream queens air quotes uh in the 80s and stuff so to have her in in this role and to like let her cut sick Especially in that last that last act, yeah, um, is so fucking cool, so fucking cool. She she, oh my god, that that when she snaps, when she switches on, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> it's utterly thrilling. And um, same with uh, Jeffrey Combs from uh, 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 Reanimator and from Beyond and stuff. Like mm. he is just 
chewing the scenery. Like if you watch you watch Reanimator, and in that he's he's really campy and kind of heightened and stuff, and it's his performance is is super quirky and and wonderful. And in this, it was like. It feels like he, I, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but it feels like he wrote the role for Jeffrey Combs or <laughs> wrote the role and then saw, oh my God, we can get Jeffrey Combs for this and just let Jeffrey cut sick. Go, <laughs> yeah, cut absolutely sick. And again, it's one of those things where you go like, oh my God, like they've got, uh, like as a, if you are steeped in that in that genre and it's, you know, legacy and stuff, you see that stuff and it's it's a thrill because it's giving these people uh, something to do, something interesting and fun to do, almost like taking the idea of, you know, what they're known for in that genre previously and either amping it up or just letting them have fun with it, ham it up or, you know, um, taking it in a slightly different direction where, you know, D. Wall Stone's not the the uh, the woman getting chased or the, the woman in Cujo or, you know, Karen in, in The Howling. Here she's Jack Torrance, you know. Mm. It, it's, it's fucking awesome. Milton's character was one that I had completely forgotten about and that first introduction scene... Mm. Uh, had me like gritting my teeth a little bit that I was like, oh God. Really? Just the, I, I felt like it was like, <sighs> there was something weird about the mannerisms at first that I was like, oh, are they going for like a, like it felt like it was just like he's doing like a really weird Rayman impre- impersonation. Oh, and I was like, right, are okay. they going like the autistic route? But then this is like kind of fucked up if you're going to be like this guy's autistic and he throws <laughs> up when women talks to him and you're like what but then after that very first scene uh, yeah he he grew on me it got so ridiculous right. and didn't follow that route of you know like no, lots of no. like ticks and like not being able to talk properly when he got into the more schlocky stuff yeah yeah um like when he's got frank arrested yeah and he's like, you killed them. And then he's like, oh, God, you're doing it now, aren't you? You're going to try yeah, to kill yeah. me. And he rips and he's off it off and he's got the lead vest and stuff. Plate. That where I was like, uh, okay, this is this is fun and stupid and over the top. Yeah, oh, dude, I that that first, I can't, I, I'm, I'm shocked that first scene rubbed <laughs> you up the wrong way. I, I I immediately, like, I feel like the the bit there, I, I hip to it immediately. Mm. I, I'm like, I know what they're doing. It's this, like, weird... Uh, I also got a little bit of vibes. I think you haven't seen Twin Peaks. No, I haven't. No. Yeah, there's like FBI, quirky FBI uh, agent in that as well, going to like small yeah. country town vibes. Yeah, yeah. But he's not nearly as quirky. But I just felt like little, little kind of similarity. Yeah, there. yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's it. It's the idea of like the the weird eccentric, you know, paranormal investigator mm. dude. And but this and is this ramped up just to like, like twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's completely like socially. The thing of him like uh, throwing up when the when when uh, Lucy is is yelling at him. I, I like I laughed so fucking hard at that. Uh, I do every time because I always kind of forget how funny that character is. But here, it like I, I was laughing for the rest of that scene, just mm, at that mm. one that one bit. Yeah, yeah. I I found myself in that scene enjoying the sheriff a lot more, like his reaction to him. Right, right. But like you said, like yeah, there's so many of these small little characters. Mm. They all do a great job. I, I like the sheriff. How like it's it's that kind of like laid back, like small town. Sheriff thing, yeah. It's where cute. even he's though he's not like super confronting or, or excuse me, he's not super confrontational or anything. He like you, it has that New Zealand kind of quality where it's like you know you get the impression that it has a small town quality to it. You know, they yeah. everyone knows everyone. So, yeah, so he's not going to be rude to the guy. He's going to ask, mm. did you have any involvement in this person getting killed? And, stuff. and that's what I kind of like that. There's these crazy mysterious deaths happening like every day. 
and he stays mm. to that, like, <laughs> not yeah. overreacting small country yeah. sheriff. Thing. You're like, wait, wait, surely you should be a little bit more worried about this by now. Yeah, yeah. When there's, like, what, of what they think is, like, 20-something murders because they don't know about the original yeah, 13 or yeah. whatever. Yeah, all of these all of these kind of cute little New Zealand sensibilities being played out by an American an all-American cast. Mm. It's it's a it's a really it's a nice blend. I think yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, unique it's, blend. It's not jarring or anything. It- no, cuz it, it makes it feel like a like, you know, this is big Hollywood movie film. It's not uh I don't know, it doesn't fall into t- into tired tropes and stuff or it, it has like a little bit of a twist of New Zealand. Yeah, I think I that it's that, that New Zealand comedy sensibility, the same way that you can see like Taika Waititi going and directing Hollywood movies, but he's mm. like yep. deep seated uh humor from yep. from New Zealand yeah, 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 coming yeah. through in everybody it's his, it's else. His, yeah, it's his like funny the, bone. The, in the there. fucking dude made a World War II film and yep. it had that sensibility and everybody grabbed grabbed onto it and was like, this is yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I really like that first 40 or so minutes where it's kind of setting up all these little mysteries and ideas and characters and, and plot threads in a way that keeps me guessing. Yeah. Uh, even though I know the twist, I do like seeing how it unfolds. Um, and I think someone seeing it for the first time it would be really great to see uh, the intrigue building and building and building. Yeah, I think it's uh, the, like what I notice is like the script is really, really well crafted compared to say what we were talking about with some of the scenes in Boondock Saints last week where it was like, oh, if you took this out, what would change the movie? Oh, nothing yeah. really? Oh, okay. Or like you could have done that scene a thousand different ways and it could have yeah. done the same thing. Yeah, yeah. This oh, is- like everything, even the stuff that's kind of fun or character like building is like comes into play at some point. Yeah, yeah. There's not a heap of like all these loose threads and random lots of like going off in different ways to establish stuff like we get the the information that he's like a ghost con man mm. with the the same thing of like crashing into the fence and then he's like, oh, okay, so instead of paying for the fence, I'm going to get them to haunt the house so then we can call it even. And that's also yeah. how he gets introduced to Lucy's character. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, it's all really neat. The scenes, like, you know, they all, they all serve multiple purposes. It's not just this, okay, from this one scene, what do we get out of it? Okay, we get yeah, this one piece yeah. of information. And then you need like five scenes like that to get little bits of information. It's like we get five or six bits of information out of every scene and it keeps mm. it moving forward and it's nice and tight and... Like you say, it keeps it intriguing. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that little bit at the end, like you understand that he's like kind of conning even, mm. I, I don't know, like I guess I remember that from the previous viewing, but the way that he comes in and he, it feels like he's got this shtick down of like, you know, he's reading a script almost and yeah, he's pretty yeah, blase yeah. about it and you do feel like it's a con like how Ray feels even though you're like, well, I saw the fucking bed float, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It is legit, isn't it? But then when he sees the number on his forehead... What the hell are you staring at? What's with the number? What number? Look, if you're trying to freak me out, it's not going to work, okay? You can tell that there's this different seriousness about it that he's seeing that it's like, oh, he wasn't expecting this. And that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. And then you go, what the fuck does that number mean? That's cool. And then when he gets back to the house and it gets revealed that there's the ghosts in his car and stuff, that's when he's like, whoever wrote that number, that that wasn't funny. And you're like, oh, so Mm. that actually means something to him. It wasn't just... It wasn't just mysterious for mysterious sake. It's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, now we're wondering, like, what does that mean to him as well as what does it mean to the film? Then that gets reinforced when he goes into the, the lady's house 
where the babies are floating. Mm. And he comes in and he says the exact same thing. And you go, oh, yeah, no, nah, this is a script that yeah, he's flipping. Yeah, yeah. I find it kind of funny that she's like, no, I read in the newspaper that you're a con man. So I'm not going to believe the fact that my three children were levitating in the room. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a little, it's, it's a like, little, um, surely you've seen it to believe it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are certain, uh, and I think, I think that starts to happen in a way that kind of interferes with, uh, my, uh, suspension of disbelief or my engagement in the plot later on in mm-hmm. the movie. I feel like the threads, there, there is so much going on. They're juggling so many things. The way that it comes together in the end feels a little clumsy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think it's thoroughly, I, I think it's thoroughly entertaining. Yeah. Um, like I don't get bored, but I do find myself starting to question why certain things are happening. And then certain things happen just because we need that character to come into the, the scene. Yeah, for, for sure. This, for this gag, you know, yeah, with yeah. The, 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 the guy, uh, the um, Jeffrey Combs character, uh, Milton, he has to show up at the, at the asylum. sanitarium, yeah, the yeah, yeah. asylum. Um, yes. uh, and not just the, like, the house, but at the chapel yes. or the, the hospital next door. Yeah, so, yeah. And you kind of go like, oh, yeah. That was Why something though? that that did also like yeah yeah that, yeah that did the same with me yeah and I think there's yeah there's little stuff like that that starts to creep in as the as the movie goes on because you go like oh my god this is amazing you, you're juggling all these things where's it going and then they start dropping balls <laughs> or yeah. like you know but it's like oh to be fair like they're juggling they're juggling like nine balls in that juggling oh, it's, act it's and ambitious. they drop like it's two ambitious. of them and you're like oh that was a little bit clumsy but you know yeah ninety percent of it you st- you stuck the landing of most of them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, again, it's all, even the aspects of this film that might feel a little clumsily executed in terms of the the the, uh, the plot and how it plays out, it's done so thoroughly entertainingly that you kind of, I mean, I, I forgive it. Yeah. The, the, the major scene that kind of stood out to me that was a little bit, you know, suspension of disbelief, a little bit like, oh, this is a bit clumsy and a bit all over the shop was um, when he rocks up to the reporter and she's going to get killed and the cops show up and start pointing mm. guns at him. And then the judge shows up and shoots the Grim Reaper. And then yeah. judge starts humping a fucking mummy. <laughs> yeah. And then the cops just start like opening fire into the museum and blowing the shit out of everything. And then he's running yeah. down the street, running away, and they're just firing into the street. That's what I'm just like, it's a little bit much, isn't it? For like, you think like small town cops, yeah, they yeah. wouldn't be that trigger happy to just start fucking blowing away everything. Yeah, it it starts to, things start to happen kind of a little too conveniently. Mm, mm. Where I, I love the judge showing up and, and shooting at the Grim Reaper and you're like, oh shit, cool, like the ghosts yeah. kind of have a little bit of power to fight back against him. Mm. That's nice. But yeah, there's a lot in that scene and then they're like, let's chuck Michael J. Fox in a coffin and slide him down the thing to protect him from bullets to get him out of the yeah. room. And you're like, yeah. whoa, this is, yeah, this is a lot. And he's just there with the, the judge's ass sticking out of the coffin humping and you're like, oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the one gag in the movie that I'm like, oh, it's like it's it's a crassness that I kind of go like, uh, did you have to, you know? Yeah, but to be fair, the judge he was from a different time, you know. He was, he was. Yeah, hey, if I fucking the moral died compass in- of a of a judge in like the Wild West who was a hangman yeah. and stuff, very different to 1996. Today, yeah, exactly. So is yeah, that fair yeah. to judge him by those standards? Can't blame a ghost for not being woke when being woke wasn't a thing. <laughs> I think that uh, that sort of the inconsistencies in, I, I guess, like the the kind of logic of the film in service of a gag, I think, is also in the way that the ghosts interact with 
each other and the living world mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, I feel like the rules of that are never quite um, nailed for me in a way that I can turn off the voice in my head going, wait, well, why, why? How does that work? Like, why did, yeah. the, why did the truck hitting the Grim Reaper thing send it flying when earlier he, he flew through a car? Yeah, yeah. Do they have to, like, th- we're never given rules. We're never given a, an indication of, like, how that stuff works, how that stuff functions. Mm. Yeah. And when it's kind of important for, like, fight scenes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's sure. again, one of those things that kind of doesn't stop me from enjoying the film but gets in the way of the viewing experience a little bit for me. Yeah, yeah. It does feel like that scene is they're a little bit more preoccupied of wanting to pull off, like, a Looney Tunes cartoonish yeah. Uh, yeah, like yeah. tire mark down your face, yeah, and yeah, then you popping yeah. back into shape. Then yeah. the like, how do the rules work of these ghosts? And it's just a bit of a, it's distracting because the rest of the film is set up in in such a competent, like really, really fucking having a strong grasp of your your craft in terms of storytelling way. You know, yeah, yeah for sure. So it kind of sticks out, unfortunately. Mm. Like a lesser, a movie that's more kind of schlocky and through and through loony you would kind of with, with probably a, a a more lackluster story you would forgive it mm. for that stuff but here the rest is is really fucking good so that yes. stuff sticks out and you get hung up on it yeah for sure because you want it to be better because you're like I, I, I can see it in these other scenes how how amazing this is yeah exactly I, it's 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 one of those things where i look at the uh the rotten tomatoes score for it again bless <laughs> and it sits at 66 percent, which is Pretty fucking metal, but <laughs> I wish it was. I wish it was. I, I, I like. I would put it at probably like a 80 score for myself. Yeah, yeah, sure. I feel probably closer to you than the sixty six as well. But I can understand why it sits at a sixty six. Mm. You know, I don't see that, and I go, "Oh, what are we? What are we talking about?" I go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, no. Again, it's only an average of." Like what Rotten Tomatoes means is that 66% of the audience that gave it a review gave it a positive review. Yeah. Because that's how that's how that works. It's an aggregate score, not a averaged score, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Speaking of things that stick out, the CGI is uh, oh, classic yeah, the CGI 90s CGI. It, that stuff hasn't shit. aged particularly well. There's there's some stuff in there that's that's really cool. Like I like in that opening uh, sequence when it's moving around the walls and it's like knocking picture frames and stuff. Um, I think that's really cool because again they go to the efforts of having it knock picture frames and interact with the physical like actual real props and stuff. Um, it, it, it reminds me of that, what's that thing the knocking the lamp thing? Yes. That, um, Who framed yeah, Roger Rabbit? Bumping the lamp. Yes. Yeah. 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 That that little stuff is great. That they go to those lengths to sell uh, a CG effect. But when they're completely relying on the CG stuff, like we're in they're in the crypt and michael j fox pulls out the scythe and is like you know it's like crawling away and it's this it's this cgi goop oh, thing that, that, it looks it yeah. looks like the fucking baddie at the end of blade dude it's, it's yeah shit. that's probably one of the worst although i was gonna say i think the the opening scene stood out for me because it was trying to do a lot yeah the i think the bumping the picture frames and stuff on the wall that's pretty cool when it comes out of the carpet and it's like grabbing her and wrapping yeah. around her that's yeah, when it starts sure. to lose me a bit i think shotgun toting grandma just kind totally. of totally yeah yeah, you know, yeah. It distracts me. She is incredibly compelling. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what it comes down to is some of the scenes that works, I think more because of the like the visual 
sort of art direction element, then overall the quality of it is it looks bad in most scenes. Mm. Like some scenes, like in the crypt, it looks worse than others, but the overall consistency of it looks very fake CG. Yeah, it, yeah, it never looks But that real. image of the Grim Reaper is very fucking cool. Yeah. That you just look at it in some scenes and you're like, that's a fucking amazing like composition. Like that mm. that looks dope there. When it's got the scythe like slashed into the car and it's like up into his neck and he's yeah. like driving the car and he's like got this cut in his like that's really cool. I really like that. And I always thought that, that Grim Reaper looked fucking cool when he's like flying around and it's this cloak and stuff. Uh you know, I'm just saying like Dementors could learn a thing or two about being menacing from this guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. But what I think is pretty cool is the the ghost effects. I think it, mm-hmm. at first glance, they're these kind of glowy, very, like it looks very green screen because of this like halo glow that they mm-hmm. give off. But there's a lot of stuff that's really impressive that they have a transparency to them where you're like, you're seeing things through their bodies and it's got this kind of warped perspective yeah. because you're seeing through them. And there's some really cool stuff where they're inter- interacting with like the the real world, like the living world mm. with the ghosts. And that stuff is is pretty cool where you go like that. I can tell that that's a visual effect, but wait, how did they do the other part? Like mm. it, it's cool. It, 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 yeah. It, yeah. Even even like little stuff like the shot where um, uh, the shot where Johnny is like in the kitchen and he's gesturing to the knives. And he's like leaning on the wall in mm. the in the kitchen. Even that you go like. Oh, they should do on a green screen and you just lean on all the green. Like, just little stuff like that. You're like, that's really nice. That's like a, a really subtle thing, but it's nice. Yeah, yeah, there are some of those. Like, I think when Ray falls into the ground and then the coffin lowers on top of him and he, like, yeah. lifts himself up and yeah, then yeah, he's, yeah. like, looking at his own corpse and screaming. Yeah. Like, that just that just shot is, like, that's really cool. Like, yeah. they've, they've lined up the perspectives really well that it's just a very appealing-looking, like, nice effect that they're, they're doing. And the transparency yep. of like falling through walls and falling through floors and stuff is pretty cool as well. Yeah. Um, they're really fucking gross though. Like, cause they've got all this like goop. I don't know if it's like ectoplasm yeah, like and there's ectoplasm like sweatiness shit. and blood and shit and snot. Yeah. So they're like, they're kind of unappealing to look at a lot of the time, even though they are these like blue, transparent, glowy kind of things. Although yeah. like it is, a, it's a cool mixture of like, they did a lot of makeup on these dudes and then, like, shot them on a green screen or whatever to to comp them in. The judge, mm. the judge's makeup is so cool that he's like jawbone awesome. is like yeah, popping yeah. out. Like that's such a cool practical effect that you can put this thing over the top of your regular jaw, and it really looks like you've got this jawbone popping out that isn't connected. And so when he moves his own jaw, it's like a self puppeteering thing where the jawbone moves exactly how it should because it's attached to his real jaw. And yeah, that's like yeah. that's that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, I just can't yeah. get and, it like. And- I just my eyes are drawn to that whenever he's on screen. Whenever yeah. he like moves and his mouth, you're like, "Oh man, look at that! I can see the the joint." Yeah, around. totally. And again, another cool instance of getting someone who's a, a bit of a horror icon to to play this really fun, kooky role. Like mm, they've got yeah. John Aston, the, the you know Gomez from the Adams family. Yeah, in in this role, it's fucking cool. There are some really fun lines in this as well. The dialogue is is the dialogue is really playful. I get overwhelmed with the amount of lines that I'm like, oh, I want to remember that. I want to quote that at some point. <laughs> the the going back to um Milton's uh, character introduction when uh the sheriff dude or the, you know the the cop is is like you know Milton goes to like put his hand on his shoulder. He's like, Sheriff Perry, you are violating my territorial bubble. Bubble. <laughs> that that line. I was like, I'm. I need to write that down. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. 
It's not enough to just be like, it's my personal space. You're like, no, territorial bubble is so (laughs) wonderful. Yeah, yeah. The the idea that he's just like so officious Mm. and and like obsessive compulsive detective over this. It's fucking hilarious. And his weird haircut and his scar. Oh, my God. I just love this character. He's got like an Adolf Hitler thing going on with his hair. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. Speaking of lines um, and performances, Jake Boosie is really fucking cool as Johnny Parler. Yeah, really he's perfect. His voice is perfect. Chilling. Yeah, yeah. His he's the the uh, just his whole physique, his whole appearance is perfect for that role. Yeah, wonderful. Um, the 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 Reaper might look a little goofy in the CG, but when Michael J. Fox smashes it out of him and he goes back into his regular ghost form, I fucking love the the makeup on his bald head where they put like the 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 electric chair thing, yeah, the burn marks fried. and stuff, and he's got that that super pale. Makeup with the like the like pale blue eyes. It's it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, like and then also in the flashback sequence where we get to see him going through uh, the hospital crematorium thing uh, and shooting people up and the, like the big mm. grin that he's got and he the fucking the girlfriend's only like fifteen and she's fucking going wild, yeah, covering numbers creepy. into people's heads. You're like, yeah. whoa, this and is shooting fucking- people as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, yeah, just the image of them, like, reveling in it and him being, like, yeah. a fucking fanboy for serial killers that he's like, i got to mm. beat the record. You're like, this is, like, yeah, it's fucked. Like, normal yeah. serial killers are fucked as well, but just for him to be like, i got to be better than the rest and that's the reason yeah. why I'm being a mass murderer. Oh, you're like... As soon as he turns around with that vain. shotgun in the hospital and he's like, guess that makes you number one. He's <laughs> like, this guy's fucked. And, like, it, it's cool the way they shoot that stuff all of or, like, so much of the... You know, close-ups of him are shot with a really wide-angle lens that kind mm. of accentuate his his features. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, his face the, is really like so compelling about forward. the way he looks. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Um, I think it's an every frame of painting video where they talk about the Coen Brothers and how they shoot. They'll shoot close-ups with a wide-angle lens to yeah. kind of like deliberately accentuate people's, you know, a, a big nose or like uh, a you know big something green teeth. <laughs> yeah, like a, a distinct characteristic about a face or whatever. And in here, it's like. You know, it's so on show. It's awesome. Yeah. Going back to the the movie getting a little bit messy, but so entertainingly so, that whole last 40 minutes, like from when they get to uh, Patricia's house and it, it's got these wonderful like red and black patterned walls and the, the lighting is all super creepy and stuff. We get like Patricia's outfit almost looks like something from... Like, I get big Suspiria vibes from it. It looks like just an 80s horror film. Mm. When Lucy goes upstairs and there's these, like, lanterns or lamps, sorry, at the top of the staircase that have, like, a fake flame kind of thing over them. Like, it's a it's like a decorative thing, but it makes the light in the hallway red. So when she walks in on the mum and, you know, the mum's dead and Patricia comes out with the knife behind her and just, like, screaming, Lucy turns around and the, the light is, like, red on her face and it's almost that non-diegetic lighting yeah. thing we're talking about, but it's, like, <laughs> it's motivated. Yeah. It's, like, insane. It's fucking awesome, you know? Well, that would make really diegetic cool. lighting then, unfortunately. I know. <sighs> Let me rephrase that. I love how, like, you're saying the mum... She's just her her name is just old lady Bradley. <laughs> she doesn't have a first name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I also love the scene um before she goes upstairs to check how Patricia is talking to Lucy, but there's also Johnny in the room and yeah. like her reactions are like talking to both him and her at the same time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and she's like stroking his face. It oh, looks so yeah. creepy when it sh- <laughs> when it shows her just like stroking the air. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. when she like points to the kid, she's like, I'll go just go get my coat. And but then like walks and keeps her arm up and it looks like Johnny's leading her out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool that they can do 
so much with your imagination about that stuff. Yeah. I also love when she goes there, like in the midpoint of the, the film, she still sort of thinks that Patricia is the the hardly done by one and the, the old old lady Bradley is the crazy one that she makes her keep the urn in her room and stuff like that. Yeah. That's really cool, the introduction of the urn, and then she's hiding in the, the mum's closet and we find Frank's uh, utility knife with the FB painted yeah, on it that yeah. we've heard about from from Milton telling the the the, the tragic backstory of the, the wife being killed. Yeah. That, all of those like little things, you're like, wait, what? How the fuck is that? In that room, why is it there? And like, yeah, that's really cool. It keeps all that, those little mystery things going. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's where I start to. And I think on first viewing, I probably would have found all of that stuff really cool, like to see all those parts fall into place. But watching it consecutive viewings, I start to go. It feels a little convenient. Like, why does she happen to keep the the uh, that knife in that spot? And why did she put her in the cupboard with that knife? Like, it just starts to feel a little. Yeah, I, I understand that. It doesn't really. I never really th- thought about it like that. When I, after watching this viewing, it, the the main thing that stood out to me of like, oh, that's a little bit convenient. I don't know why that happens is more in the opening scene. Yeah. Like it feels like that is a fake out because that's like for the audience to be like, oh, look, this woman, she's getting attacked by this ghost. Oh, yeah, totally. I was actually thinking but that then as you well. Go, Wait, like, hang it's a really a second, cool no. sequence, but then you go, well, yeah, why, why was he attacking it's her? Just entirely lying to the audience just to give us a, like, you know, just to give us that idea of, of yeah, her being yeah. the good one or the tortured one to, yeah, to start yeah. with. It doesn't like, it, it doesn't, you don't then kind of get to recontextualize that no. scene after the fact and go, oh, so this was happening. We're kind of left going, Wait, so what was happening in that, that opening scene? And it's like, no, nah, it was just a cool opening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like like oh. you, you should be going, it, it's it's a great hook. You should be going, what was happening in that scene when you first watch it? But by the end of the movie, you should go like, oh, that's what was happening in that scene. The fact yeah. that we've watched it like three times each and we're still going, what the fuck was happening there? It's just it's, like, no, yeah. you're just plain, plain and simple lying to the audience. Um, yeah, it's just a, a, a kind of... Uh, it's unfortunate because it does set the tone of the movie really well. It it is a great hook. Yeah, you do you do get a, a taste of just how balls to the wall some of the horror in this movie yeah, is going to yeah. be. And the, the quirkiness the, the, again, to it. Yeah, the quirky stuff. The grandma toting a shotgun. Like it, it does a great job on all those fronts. But unfortunately, it's it is a lie. <laughs> you lied to me, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> you saved me, but you lied to me. <laughs> Uh, really, really cool, uh, like we were talking about before, the gore is kind of, a lot of the gore is relegated to the ghost characters mm. uh, and that stuff's really cool, like Ray following Lucy around and then uh, Johnny killing Ray and just seeing like his skin like collapse onto her car boot when she's going to drive oh, yeah. off is After really his, fucking- like, face shattered. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah that, that's a really cool they effect. They can kind of, it feels less gory than it is because they're- blue transparent ghosts <laughs> but yeah. you're actually like yeah. oh man that's pretty fucking gruesome uh yeah i like how um he he's his friends um show up in the in the jail to protect him and they're like wrestling with the grim reaper through the walls mm. and shit like that and they're trying to like yeah. stand in the center of the room because they don't know like what wall it's going to come out of that's all really cool and then getting just fucking like sliced in half and shit yeah they're they're, they're really cool brutal kills uh that you don't go I don't know, because they're ghosts. You don't go like, oh, that's disgusting. You're just like, oh, fuck, that's sick. Yeah, totally. I think the only, like, human, uh, like, super gory kill is the uh, is Milton when he gets his head blown off. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. Um, and then it's like, yeah, goofy CGI. Yeah, mech. yeah. <laughs> yeah, watching that effect, I think the whole, I think that whole effect is CG. Um, like the chunks, the blood, it all looks computer generated. So I, I think it um, lessens the impact of that kill a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially from what I know of Peter Jackson's earlier movies, he loves, like he would do that head explosion practically. Yeah, yeah, If it was yeah. in one of his earlier movies, I think. Definitely. But that fucking image of her, of um, Patricia running around with the shotgun with the like the oh. giant old school flashlight taped yeah. to it. Yeah, it's really, really neat. That's one of those things where it's like, I'm not counting the shotgun shells like I am with John Wick 3 because it's just <laughs> fucking glorious and she's got the fucking grin on her face and she's like running around so fast. She's like, you know, sliding around corners, just like boom, boom. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. The grin and the wide eyes and that um, when we first see her with that the shotgun and stuff, we get that first like transition between the past, like the flashback that he's kind of living through and the and the present where it's got Patricia in the in the past walking kind of with the knife um and then it fades like it fades back to reality around her and Patricia runs in where like at the end of the hallway where young Patricia was yeah. old Patricia like current present day Patricia runs in with the shotgun slides in cocks it and just fires <laughs> Yeah, the transitions between Frank going in and out of the past in the crematorium, hospital, whatever. In the hospital, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that stuff's really neat, the, the, the ways that they do it. Although, like, mm. it, it's, it's like the most I get, uh, you know, kind of like yelling at the screen in the movie is because he's like hiding under the bed and he's got the blanket over him. And then he yeah. starts seeing the two of them murdering people in the past and then it cuts back to him in in the reality, and he's pulled the blanket off to see, to see the flashback. And you're like, "Yeah, dude, you're just fucking, <laughs> what you're are just you obliviously doing? <laughs> just sitting there with yeah. your face out. Like you gotta you gotta use that blanket. She could just fucking blow your head off while you're you know witnessing past events. Yeah, totally. But it, it is thrilling like that. Like that cat and mouse game is is very suspenseful and it's fun and it's energetic and it's. All those things, I think, even though, yeah, to, definitely towards the end, very third act kind of thing. Yeah, the loose ends don't all quite get wrapped up nice and tightly in a little bow, but that sequence of her chasing them through there is is very cool and making for a good, like, climax. Yeah, thoroughly entertaining, if not entirely satisfying. But I don't know, it's one of those things, I don't know how you could have done it better. I haven't given that, that much thought. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't either, really. Kind of because it is so entertaining. Again, I, I personally, I forgive it. Yeah, I think so too. I, I kind of think, oh, if I was to try and start fixing this, would I lose that fun, quirky Peter Jacksonism of the yeah, yeah, the maybe balls to the wall stuff. Yeah, maybe. I think I'm not often interested in seeing remakes of of horror movies, but this is one that I was thinking as I was watching. I was like, you know what? be pretty interested to see a remake of this i don't know if it'd be good don't know you do the you do the classic thing that everybody's talking about now where they think like tom holland has kind of got a michael j foxism charm oh, yeah. young boyish charm to him like michael j yeah, fox yeah, does yeah. um so yeah you'd cast him for sure i would i would honestly just remake it because i think a lot of the um stuff that i don't like about the the way this movie ends is the 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 shitty cg them going through the portal <laughs> The, the hell thing. It all looks so fucking uh, dodgy. I don't mind the the, the portal uh, up to heaven and then like going down to hell portal and it's the weird worm thing that eats you up and shit. Yeah, yeah. That looks goofy, but I don't mind it because it's just like, oh, it's supposed to be like weird and gross and yeah, it's kind of yeah. cool that worm like then like diving down into lava and shit for hell. It's like, it's like, it's an interesting like visual yeah. take on I, hell. I would, that's not I would just like your boring see... like, you know, brimstone. Yeah, yeah. 
hooves. I would and like to see pitchforks. a really faithful adaptation, or excuse me, like oh yeah, adaptation, remake, whatever, reimagining of this movie, just with good, visual see, good, good, good visual effects. <laughs> That's all I need. I think those are always the best uh, contenders for remakes is that movie that you go like, oh, man, there was a lot of really cool shit about that, but it didn't quite work in all of its aspects. Like, I think mm. that's why in the 80s you've got some of the greatest remakes of all time with The Fly and The Thing yeah. that are taking those, like, 40s and 50s movies that, like, filmmaking was so early then mm. and the tone was different then that you go like, oh, that's got some really cool hooks to it or visual ideas but we can, yeah, like do it in so much more justice now because yeah. we've got the technology and the whatever. But nowadays with the modern remakes, I'm always just worried of like, oh, you've got the budget, you can do anything with CG, so are you restrained well, enough? My my worry would be that a, a remake of this would uh, be kind of like the Fright Night remake where it loses a lot of its charm and any kind of distinct visual style or like directorial flair kind of mm-hmm. goes out the window. Yeah, sure. Um same with the, the the poltergeist remake. Like those remakes in the eighties, like the thing and the fly, had directors with really strong visions at the helm. You had fucking David Cronenberg for the fly and you had uh John Carpenter for the thing. Yeah. Like I don't know who's doing this kind of um Actually, no, no. I don't think anybody's doing this kind of horror now. No, I don't think they are, but just fucking get Taika Waititi to do it. I think he would be a good shout yeah, for a remake. Yeah, do it. Absolutely. Keep it yes. New Zealand so the sense of humour, like, yeah, stays true. Yeah, it doesn't is, get, like, weird Hollywood warped, remade, rewritten. That is a, a excellent uh, suggestion. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would be keen for that. Definitely. I, wait a couple of years good. and let the, the kid from Jojo Rabbit grow up and then he can be like a ah, Fox's character. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, now this is a – it was fun to revisit it. I don't think it mm. quite – I still enjoy it a lot. It doesn't quite hold up to that fun I had when I was a kid watching it. I think the viewing as a kid reminds me of a time where you didn't know, like, what was good and bad with movies. So yeah, sure. the, the, enter- the, the, the thoroughly entertainingness of it it's by kind itself, of all, that mattered. all yeah. that mattered. And it yeah. was that kind of thing where I, like, I would have been getting to stay up late – getting to watch this movie, it would have been one mm. of those ones where, you know, you flick the lights off, you've got, like, your sleeping bag in in the in the lounge room <laughs> and, like, maybe we made popcorn and you're just like, this is fucking amazing. Um, yeah. I remember having a similar experience with Ghostbusters 2 where everyone's like, oh, that one's pretty pretty shit, not a great sequel. Sure. But as sure. a kid, you're like, I'm so fucking entertained by this. Yeah, yeah. I was like, more Ghostbusters? Hell yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. that kind of ignorance is bliss. Like, I, I don't have that. That keen yeah, eye yeah, that's that. taking me out of um out of the movie with my suspension of disbelief. Yeah, and sure. It's like, fuck yeah. So yeah, I don't think it can it can't quite recapture the that magic feeling of of originally watching it as a kid, but no. I think it's still very enjoyable and I think it's good to it's a good one to come back to after a fucking forever ago and you've forgotten about it again. And you're like, yeah. oh shit, I haven't watched this in a decade or fifteen years. And then yeah. you put it on and you go, Oh fuck, yeah, I forgot about all these great stuff about it then. Yeah, it's a really, really good once in a blue moon watch. Yeah, um, yeah. and and definitely one. And I think it's also a really cool. Um, I, I heard the term uh, like training wheels for horror used in reference to another film that I watched recently. Oh yeah, 
And I feel like that's kind of applicable here in the same way that Gremlins is or something. I think this is a really cool one to show like a kid or a young, uh, like a, a, a early teen or whatever who's showing an interest in horror. Mm. This is a really cool one to show them because you can, if they're, if they're you know entertained by it, you can go, you know, oh, well, did you know, you know, this person is famous for being in this movie? And you, you can kind of reverse engineer all of the yeah, um, inspirations. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. You can you can look into the the legacy that it's, you know, kind of, so respectfully uh, tipping its hat to. Mm, yeah. I'll be interested to see. So we watched the theatrical version for this viewing because that was yes. the one I saw as a kid. When I did some research about it, uh, I think what it was was the director's cut got released on the Laserdisc version and it was like only on that format for the longest time. And it wasn't until like a later DVD and Blu-ray release that you can watch it. And even ah, then I okay. heard that it's one of those editions where it's not that different of an edit that they're able to just like have both versions on the DVD and you can like choose which one to play. Sure, okay. And it just adds the extra scenes in for the longer version. Yeah. But by default, it still plays the theatrical version on the Blu-ray. That's like huh. so the like kind of the default version. But I feel like it is once in a blue moon, but when I do come back to it after a blue moon, I want to check out the director's cut and see That's whether yeah, yeah. is it going to maybe some of those threads will be a bit more like tied up and neat or will it yeah, be Yeah, maybe some some critical yeah, or, stuff gets or will cut. it be Oh no, this is even like more of a shambles because you added like 15 <laughs> minutes to it and let's let's bring it back yeah. in. It, that was tire yeah. how it was. Yeah, sure. Sure. So that's something I I'm keen to experience, but the I think definitely for this time the nostalgia of it was uh, like this is the version I've always known. So it was mm. cool to rewatch that after not seeing yeah. it for so long. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to support the podcast, we always say the best thing you can do is just word of mouth, share it with a friend, or less word of mouth, just fucking throw it into that ether of social media and recommend it to random people and not friends. Yeah. And you know, yeah, who, totally. who knows? Maybe somebody will take the bait. Somebody will go, <laughs> Michael J. Fox, he's broadly appealing. <laughs> I'm appealed by broad things. Dude, we're, I should like, check this it, out. Dude, we're all banking on, on <laughs> Michael J. Fox being vaguely broadly appealing. Oh, it's so funny. Oh. <laughs> Although if you want to support the podcast monetarily, we also have a Patreon where... For as little as $3 Australian a month, which I think is like $1.50 US. So if you're an international viewer, that's pretty much a bargain, I reckon, for Uh the bonus content, early access, and our exclusive movie watch-along Big Ogle Banter commentary where we watch bad films with friends and alcohol to help enjoy them more. And then, of course, we now have, for the last couple of months, at our producer tier, The Blind Spot, our monthly catch-up podcast where we endeavour to fill in some new things and then some things that have been, you know, sitting there forever that we've gone, oh, I'll watch that eventually. And it's like, yeah. well, eventually is today. And, uh, yeah, we get the fresh perspective on it in, in comparison to this podcast where we do the nostalgic revisit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, all of our social medias and that Patreon link can be found in the description above or below or to the side. I don't know what podcast app you listen to. Maybe <laughs> maybe the, the description's on the side of the app. Take a wander. You'll find it. That's right. And you can also use those links to reach out and tell us your answer to the question of the episode. Speaking of nostalgic as a kid watching a movie in the dark with your sleeping bag, do you have a go-to halloween film that that has that that childhood memory associated mm. to it yeah go on next week connor 
What were yes. you thinking? Okay, I I want to bounce off of this in a kind of similar vein where this was a film by a director with a, a very distinct directorial style kind of making a uh, a big Hollywood or as big in Hollywood as they had up to that point done. Yep. Entry in their filmography that paid homage to, you know, the stuff that inspired them while also trying to have a, you know, more of a mass appeal. Mm-hmm. My pick is the equivalent of that for the director that Peter Jackson was probably the most inspired by in his early work. Oh. I want to hit up Dark Man, the 1990 American superhero film, uh, dark superhero film directed by Sam Ooh, Raimi. Oh, okay, cool. I am I'm not very acquainted with Sam Raimi at all besides like the Spider-Man films ah, and so. Evil Dead. Oh yeah, true, true. Of course, Evil Dead. Silly me. Recently acquainted to Evil Dead also. Awesome. You're welcome. This should be very interesting. I'm I'm mm-hmm. liking uh getting a few pics of stuff that I haven't seen for a while. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Alrighty. All well, right. as always, we recommend that you watch the film yourself before listening to the podcast, like a book club of sorts, to get the maximum amount of context you can. Yeah. So join us next time when we find out whether our hindsight is truly 2020 or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. I'll get someone to go. Orderly. Orderly, are you deaf? I said, orderly, are you deaf? Hey! Moron! I guess that makes you number one.